But the point is, is like, when it comes to epigenetics, that's the only real thing, that tangible thing that you might be able to get at this stage. Okay. And you're a very bright, intelligent guy, and you formed this amazing company that can really help people. Just to be very clear, um, I don't recommend other people doing this because the more supplements you take, the more you have to know what the hell's going on. You're a wealth of information, hard to keep up with, but I really am grateful for you. Welcome to the Power of Your Voice podcast. I'm your host, Mike Murphy. I'm also the author of the book, The Creation Frequency, and founder of Mounds of Hope, a transformational healing retreat center in Medellin, Colombia. Each week in this podcast, we bring you the most amazing guests and powerful content that will inform you how you too can learn to use your own powerful voice to manifest optimal health, wealth, and transformation that you desire and deserve. Welcome everybody to the Power of Your Voice podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Murphy, and I'm super grateful that you're here and super excited that you're here and super excited about today's guest. We're going to get into a subject that I know just enough to be dangerous with, uh, and that's DNA and genetics, and I've studied a little bit about epigenetics, so I look forward to having that conversation. You know, as I'm building this healing retreat center down here in uh, Columbia, it's so confusing. I don't know how you feel. You know, what supplements better? Powder, pills, liquid? Um, what about all this uh, new healing protocols? Uh, what about DNA? What about this mRNA that we've been hearing all about? What about vaccines? What about this? What is best for our health? You know, I had a very, very sad experience yesterday where I lost one of my closest friends very suddenly, unexpectedly, even though he's been battling cancer for a long time. He went in to had a very aggressive treatment regimen. And, you know, a week ago, he was strong as a horse. I mean, I'm talking to him on the phone. He's, he's doing great. And yesterday's dead. And uh, I'll tell wow. you, music, medicine is so confusing to me right now. And what's the, what's the right way to go and what's the wrong way? And then we have energy medicine. We have the mind, the placebo. We have the emotions. So there's a lot going on here. And today's guest uh, actually went from brain fog and uh, not a lot of dough to now a really strong entrepreneur creating a really incredible product that I'm looking forward to learning more about today. So I'd like to welcome to the show right now, Joe Cohen. Welcome, Joe. Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, so glad that you're here. So tell me the, tell me the broke part and uh, not doing well and then what happened and what are you doing now? Yeah, so I grew up with a whole host of like autoimmune type issues, like from the age of already 14, 13, um, you know, just even, even I, I think like, uh, the first health issue that I had was a little, that was a little different than normal. I had some Bell's palsy where okay. half of my face uh, got paralyzed. I had that okay. once. Yeah. You did. You did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know exactly okay. what it's well, like. Actually, I know what is, I know what it's from now. Oh, tell me, and, and tell I know me exactly. Oh yeah. Oh, you, you yeah, want to go I really want to know. <laughs> so actually, uh, okay. Number one is from an immunodeficiency, just broadly speaking. Okay. Zooming out in particular, it has to do with, um, niacin deficiency. Niacin. Okay. Uh, niacin deficiency. Niacin deficiency. So interesting. And this kind of, uh, you know, uh, niacin deficiency, but again, there's, 
there's many aspects to the immune system. So I'm not just saying if, if I just had to pick one thing, I would yeah. say niacin. Right. It could also – there's many ways to stimulate. Maybe somebody's deficient in B12. Sometimes B12 could have to do with it. But um, niacin actually is the most significant thing, and it's one thing that for some reason or another, right, I've been deficient on it my entire life, mm. right? Or deficient in the sense that I didn't have enough. Gotcha. And so that was one of the factors uh, that was causing different health issues. But and it was interesting because, um, you know, uh, as time went on, I've been learning a lot about how to improve the immune system, and so it was interesting because there was a time where I would get this pain in that nerve area, the same pain. I, w I was like, this was about eight years ago, seven, eight years. And that was if I wasn't sleeping or I was, if I drank too much caffeine, it would just all of a sudden like reactivate a little bit, not full blown, but it would reactivate. And I was just like, what is going on there? And then over time I, I kind of got better and better and, and like it, it went away. But at a certain point I realized like, uh, I, I realized that I was deficient in this nice and then it explained quite a lot of things. And then I just happened to find a study where people with Bell's palsy, it was done in like 1960 or something, wow. 1955. Wow. <laughs> people took niacin, like almost everybody got better who took niacin. And, and, and I realized not like having, not having enough niacin was one of the significant causes of my immunodeficiency. And I figured that out through testing a whole bunch of different kinds of testing. I would not have figured it out in, in normal ways because if you just, like I was actually doing a lot of mega dosing experiments where I would try one supplement at a time and seeing how it worked for me. There were certain things I stayed away from because of the warnings online. And so if you type in niacin, it like, you know, basically makes it sound like you're gonna die if you take. Well, more than and it gives milligrams. you a it gives you a really hot flash. It gives you too. a flush. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. right. But but where do we and get where do we get that naturally in our diet, niacin, or do we have to take meat based foods? Meat based. Meat based okay. foods. Were you were you yeah. were you, uh, were, you were you lacking in that or or just my system needs more of it. Okay. It got just it. needs more of it Genetics, straight up. Yeah. Um, I, I could go into if you want to get technical, I can you know sit here and speak about for a half hour exactly what what niacin does and why it's so important no we don't but, have to, we don't have um, time for that so yeah, i'm gonna yeah, i'm, gonna, exactly, I'm gonna ask you yeah. one question and then i want to get back but to what niacin was was if you take i don't think if you're not deficient in niacin very unlikely you'll get bell's palsy interesting um so i, I gotta ask you this okay when you woke up and half your face didn't work what was your first thought i've been into self-healing for a while and so my first thought was like, let me try to look up on Google what the hell was going on. And I was 13, so okay. uh, 23 years ago, I'm 36 okay. now. Um, but there wasn't information. Like, I also didn't know how to search for the information. I didn't know how the body works. So when you really don't know what the hell's going on, right. I just wasn't able to figure anything out. I was just like, I was trying, I don't know. I, I, it wasn't successful, whatever I was doing. Um, so... Fast forward, but I had, you know, then I, I, but as I was getting older, I had a, like, from the age of 13, I would eat like some kind of food. I'd get tired from it. Then I started, it started to get worse. I started to get like anxiety, OCD, brain fog, and it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And, and I was trying to eat healthier and healthier and healthier. I was like literally 14, 15 years old, ninth grade, coming to school with a can of sardines and blueberries. Wow. This is, this is. 20, uh, you know, tw 23 years ago, almost uh, 22 years ago when, you know, omega-3 fatty acids weren't as popular as they are now. Blueberries, 
you know, now people are more aware of it. I was like reading the res- like reading some research there that hey, if you're eating blueberries, you you're gonna be healthier. And I was like coming to school with sardines and blueberries, <laughs> and people are like, what the hell are you doing? Like literally had sardines with like lettuce and just like eating sardines and lettuce and blueberries. <laughs> and like people are like, what is going on with you? Like you know, they they were concerned for my welfare. But you but you were willing to do this because you were in so much pain if you ate normal food. Or you were Correct. just trying to heal yourself as well? No, I was trying to heal myself. Something was wrong. Yeah. I knew it. And and my family was into health already. So it was kind of my grandmother was already into health. We I came from that kind of lineage where the idea of preventing disease was very real. Like you can prevent disease if you do the right thing. Right. That that's kind of what was inculcated into me. So I and the more I go through life, the more I realize that the more true that is. Yeah. Right. And especially now. We didn't know what we know now five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years, 20. The, every year, the information is exponentially yes. increasing and improving yes. in unbelievable ways. Yes. And um, so in any case, I've been on this 23-year journey on uh, how to improve my health. And by the way, I've been eating whole wheat bread since I was six. Hmm. And, and and the reason I started whole wheat, eating whole wheat bread from a young age is because when I would eat white bread, I would get constipation. Mm-hmm. And yep. this was at the age of like seven years old, I figured this out, right? Wow. And so I, and so from a very young age, six, seven, I was always, I came to school, tuna sandwich, uh, whole wheat bread, some uh, romaine lettuce and some tomatoes. And that was my lunch every day. Like, you know, maybe some jelly, maybe some eggs, whatever. The point is, is like, I was eating healthy from a young age. And so how's your health now with these autoimmune? Have you healed all that? Is that all out of your life yeah, now? Yeah, all of it's done. And, all of it's done. And what's your diet like? Not now? only is it, not only is all of it done. So what happens is is that as you get better, you start to challenge yourself more in a whole bunch of ways. And so I challenge myself and then, you know, then I might get a certain issue, then I fix it, and <laughs> I challenge myself more, I might get certain it, I fix it. So my health is way better than I ever thought was possible. And when I say challenge it, I mean something like I've never worked out with weights before because I felt like every time I work out with weights, I just get sick, right? That's an example of challenging it. Or my system would be very um, just delicate. Like I try something and like I have a reaction and and like I, I just was felt very limited. It's like I do this thing. I couldn't fast because – I, I I didn't my system didn't feel like it had enough energy like I would just be bonked out if I was fasting right, <laughs> right? like right, I I just felt like how do people fast you know like what what are they doing like I can't do anything the whole day if I'm fasting if I don't get eight hours of sleep boom I can't do anything so I've realized how to be not only fix the issues you know you could fix the issues and then like just do everything perfectly and how to be very robust and. I figured something out that I can say that nobody else in this world has figured out. Um, so have you heard of uh, Jordan Peterson's All Meat Diet? I've heard of Jordan Peterson. I have not heard of the All Meat Diet. Okay. Him and his daughter are on an All Meat Diet. Period. And period. Nothing but meat? Nothing but meat and salt. Wow. And water. <laughs> wow. Yep. And and uh, so people, a lot of people know about that diet just from him. Well, it turns out that I did that diet 13 years before him, mm. right? 
before him and his daughter. And his daughter didn't die because she had uh, even worse issues than me. Like she, for me, well, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's worse, but for me, I had a lot like issues from a young age, but she, they weren't, most of them weren't like diagnosable conditions because I was eating blueberries and like, you know, right. I was being very healthy, eating sardines. So I, I feel like I've, you know, I, I would have definitely gotten IBD and, you know, die, a whole bunch of diagnosed conditions that I didn't end up getting right. I delayed it. So it's kind of in like this pre-disease state for a while. Um, but his daughter got like uh, juvenile arthritis from the age of seven, mm. which is like one of the earliest cases in Canada for juvenile arthritis. One of like seven people. I, I don't know exactly the numbers. The point is like very rare. So she had very severe autoimmune issues. And very painful disease too. Correct. And she had other ones as well. She was basically disabled. I was also uh, more or less disabled for a while. So uh, she eventually she came upon carnivore was kind of getting bigger and she chanced upon this carnivore diet. And now you have people who started eating a carnivore diet and they, they, especially people with autoimmune issues, they start feeling pretty good. And so I actually found out about this in 2013. Let me ask you a question. Is, do you think it's the meat diet or the elimination of certain plants and vegetables? It's the elimination. Yeah, okay. It's the elimination. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. A little bit to do with the meat, but yes. mostly but the elimination. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. So like meat is high in certain things that actually counteract some of the uh, food sensitivities. Okay. Uh, so that's why people who have an autoimmune phenotype, they tend to do better on a paleo-type diet because meat is richer in some of these things. And when I say it's richer in niacin, it's richer in tryptophan, richer in B12, it's, you know, some of the B vitamins, thymine, um, and it's richer in uh, just, it's got a, like, you can, if you're going to eat one food, it, it it does have quite a lot of nutrients that, that could be quite good. But in, in, case, in, in your case, what kind of meats were you eating? Was it just red meat? Was it fish? Was it turkey? Was it chicken? So my all meat diet was basically meat and chicken. So okay. they only eat meat. They don't eat chicken. Just, um, just red meat. And Jordan, yeah, Jordan Peterson can't exp – he, he, like I've seen him on some interviews explaining why he does this. He basically says, like, I don't want to experiment. I am not experimenting. All I know is that this works for me. I'm not doing anything else. Huh. I had the, the opposite mindset of, like, okay, right. this works for me. Now I'm going to try every other thing and right. see what the hell is going on. Right. I try meat and this. I try meat and that. I try – I eat rice one like I literally just like I'm it was a little bit masochistic, uh, but I, I basically said like I want to figure out what the hell is going on here because nobody knows what the hell's happening. Exactly. And so it's it's been a, a long journey, but I'm I I've um been able to figure basically like if they stray from the diet, they get a lot of issues. They eat you know, one random thing from the diet, they could get issues. Wow. Um, I don't know about Jordan himself, but his daughter definitely. And Jordan just doesn't want to take any of those risks. He just knows, like, look, I was on a different diet. I had all these issues, depression, autoimmune, uh, you know, an eye disease, uh, uveitis. And I had this, that, and the other. All I know is that my brain is clear. This, I'm just not doing experiments. So that's his approach. Okay, you want to do that. Uh, so what I've been able to do is something that I did not think was possible. I've been actually able to cure those the, fix all the food sensitivities I had. And this is from eating, like literally if I eat anything, like a, an, a grain of rice, I'd be like, whoa, getting brain fog. Really? And so now, in, in the, and this is something relatively recently where I, in the past three months, I've been just trying out a whole bunch of different things. And it turns out that either I don't react to it or the reaction is very muted. 
in which case I think it's it's I'm able to fix it. It's just I haven't been taking it long enough for my body to build the tolerance yet. So so what I'm hearing is you've healed these food allergies and that food you couldn't eat I've, before I've you can them, now eat. Correct. I've healed them. Okay, how'd you do and that? How'd you, I, how'd you do that? <laughs> so there was new research that came out. And uh, the, the new basically it was a combination of building on all the knowledge that I gathered uh, based on you know my DNA, my lab tests, and just the research that came out. And, and, and all, also my personal experiments. So all that kind of came together. And like I was learning one thing at a time. And so it was just kind of combining a lot of those things at a time. And, and by the way, these food sensitivities are, are, have a very similar mechanism to food allergies. It's just different people have a different immune system. So one person who would develop an in, uh, intolerance and they might eat it and then get some issue three days later. Somebody like me eats it. I get brain fog after an hour. Uh, somebody might eat eat it and then have to go to the hospital and need an EpiPen, right? So that's kind of like how your immune system is built. But they're all essentially built in. I mean, the food sensitivity pathways are 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 not too different in in their core. Gotcha. But essentially, um, uh, the the food sensitivities have to do with uh, primarily tryptophan pathway. Okay. And 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 the tryptophan is actually related to the niacin pathway as well. So when you're deficient in niacin, your body Ex- do takes me a favor. And it cr- Explain pathway for us. What is a pathway? Yeah. A pathway, basically, in the body, there's like a sequence of events. Uh, whether it's it's a very broad term, but it could it could mean anything. But when you say a ni- a, when you say a niacin pathway, something like that, what are you what are you referring to there? Well, tryptophan pathway. So when you ingest tryptophan, it okay. can what you, how your body deals with tryptophan can go in like twenty different directions. And tryptophan comes from tur- Three, t- Turkey, if I remember correctly. Tryptophan meat and any meat. Uh, any meat, uh, any meat has tryptophan. Yeah. So well, let's back up a little. Yeah. Bit, right. Yes. Who gets food sensitivities? Okay. Wh- when do when do they come? I, and this is based on my experience, right? Um, and and people might have other experiences, but I've dealt with fifteen hundred clients. I've fi- I'd had fifteen hundred clients in the past. I don't do a lot of coaching now, but um, I had you know quite a lot of clients in the past. And and even people who just have food sensitivities, I always ask them because of, I have this way of thinking. I'm like, okay, well, you know, we're at a if I'm at a cocktail party, like, oh, you got a food? Th- what what did it occur occur after? You know, like right, I'm right, probing right. into these kinds of things. Right. So I built up kind of informal database based on my clients, based on just random service. So what do they come after? I found that two things, either a vegan diet, vegan vegetarian diet, or stress. Oh, That's it. Like yeah. I had a very stressful period, and then all of a sudden I got sensitive to all these foods, right? Or I had a trauma or this, that. Um, or uh, I was doing a vegetarian diet. All of a sudden, like my health just crashed after a year, whatever, right? And it's like I, I started to get all these issues. I don't know what is going on. Um, and And – You'll see a lot of these people who uh, a lot of people have tried these vegan diets. Now, again, some people who do a vegan diet will be fine with them. Right, it right. also has to do with your genetic predisposition. Right. So, uh, that but um, those are the two big factors. Yeah. So, when and, and why are those the two big factors? Right, I always knew that, but I didn't understand why. The the vegan diet is low in tryptophan and niacin. That's one, and, and especially if you're on like a whole food vegan diet, they you know the the uh, the American government knows how important niacin is because people were developing blatant uh, 
pellagra problems, like 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 seriously serious problems uh, from a B three deficiency. So they just added it to everything in the food supply. Right. All the grains. Yeah. Right. Now, if you're eating healthy, <laughs> and you know maybe, uh, and then you're eating healthy, and then you're also eating a vegan diet, you're having a low. So first of all, you're also stressing your gut with all these kinds of whole grains, right? Because there's kind of a balance between there's foods that are going to cause like a leaky gut, you can say, and then there's balancing factors that cause tolerance. So all of a sudden you eat a vegan diet, you you kind of pressure, you, you put pressure on your gut. Because of so much fiber? Is Would that be why? No, it's the lectins. Oh, the lectins. And lectins come lectins. from tomatoes? Where, where else? No, they're in all plant-based. Every, everything. Everything. And Every plant-based food. The only question is, how harmful are the lectins in each plant-based food? And the lectins, so the lectins... Grains and beans are going to be worse. The lectins are there to protect the plant from bacteria or organisms from, that will from, hurt from it. us. No, no, from us eating them. No kidding. <laughs> oh, man, you're blowing my mind from right us now. And, <laughs> you're blowing my mind. From right us now. and animals. <laughs> they don't want us and animals to eat them. So they... they have these defense mechanisms so that we don't eat them. So are you now, tell, are you telling me right now broccoli's no good? No. So that no, okay. No. So right. two things, right? Different keep, plants have different. Okay. Keep 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 uh, keep, keep going with your story. I'm sorry to interrupt because I'm learning One second, a lot different here. plants. Yeah. Yeah. No, but different plants have different defense mechanisms. Okay. And with something like broccoli, number one is we cook it. You yeah, generally okay, don't okay. eat raw broccoli. Right. Number two is we've cultivated it for a really long time so that it's much more edible. Gotcha. That's, that's too. So we've done our own uh, survival of the fittest on the broccoli so that it can, it's like dogs evolved to, to, to you know, to like us or, right. you know, it's right. to be a certain way. They're really wolves, right? <laughs> so like, broccoli was a wolf at one point and it became a dog, right? Gotcha. So, but, but the thing is, is that um, certain things were just, you know, they, they were just much harder on the, like grains in general, uh, is going to be much harder on the system than broccoli. Gotcha. Okay, let's go back. Um, get, get, so get me back was, to that niacinate tryptophan, trip, those pathways, trip, and yeah. getting that into my body. Right, so the vegan diets, okay, so they're low on niacin tryptophan. Tryptophan can do a bunch of things in the body, okay? And there's three main pathways of tryptophan. One is when you're stressed, it's called this kynurnin pathway, where it's, it takes tryptophan and it shunts it in this pathway that essentially helps you deal with the stress better on a, like something, I don't know, you might feel like if you get really stressed sometimes, then there's kind of, sometimes there's this equal and opposite response where you start to feel actually more relaxed at a certain uh, time because your body has this mechanism where it's like, okay, increase serotonin, increase this kynurnin pathway, and it makes you feel good, right? Yeah. So that's like a, a mechanism where, in certain ways, it stimulates the immune system, and it's kind of like this pathway that's good for short-term effects, yeah. right? Less for long-term, but it helps us in the short-term. Okay. So, it, it, it and, and, and it basically, this kynurnin pathway ends up creating, this, this kynurnin is an NMDA antagonist, which is somewhat like ketamine. So, if you ever take ketamine or magnesium, you, you'll feel more relaxed. It's similar to that, actually. So it, 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 again, it's a different molecule, but same uh, biochemical NMDA antagonism. Um, so you have that kynurnin pathway, and then you have the serotonin pathway where you start producing serotonin. Now, the serotonin could be used for a lot of things. It could 
um, sometimes your gut can use it. Sometimes it isn't isn't serotonin made in the gut as well. It's made in the gut and the brain. So what is made in the gut doesn't actually impact the brain. Okay. And so there's like some myth busting, which is true that the serotonin in your gut has nothing to do with the serotonin in your brain, which is true. The only thing caveat is that if you need a lot of serotonin in your gut, you're gonna have less protryptophin in your brain and vice versa. Got it. Okay. That's the that's the thing that ties them together. Got it. Really, it's not the actual serotonin. Those are actually quite I mean your brain locally creates serotonin from the tryptophan so tryptophan crosses the blood brain barrier helps create serotonin there so you, you know so that, but those are the two main pathways you have the serotonin pathway you got the, i mean the, those are two uh two two of the three the third is where it starts to create a whole bunch of these different molecules your your gut microbiota takes that your microbiome and starts to create all these molecules that uh cause basically your you to be tolerant to foods right when that is so what happens is if you get very stressed you use up all the tryptophan in the kynurin pathway and then the serotonin pathway then what ha- there's no tryptophan left to create tolerance all of a sudden you start eating foods slowly but surely you start becoming sensitive to those foods because your body is not learning how to be tolerant to them. Got it. That's now add a niacin deficiency to it. Your body very inefficiently. This is one of the pathways of tryptophan. Is it can go and because niacin is so important, it can go and create niacin. Now, sixty milligrams of tryptophan will create one milligram of niacin, and you need about sixteen milligrams of niacin a day. So if you're not getting niacin. And, and the average human is going to eat about, let's say, seven, eight hundred trypt- milligrams of tryptophan a day. All of that tryptophan is going to go to niacin, right? Or a lot of it. So um, if you're deficient in niacin, you're stressed, and your, your tryptophan is going to be spreading out all over the place. It's not going to actually be creating those molecules that you need. Got it. So when. So now if you add on a vegan diet to it, you're going to get about half the tryptophan that you would get on a much meat-based, much heavier meat-based diet. And all of a sudden, you're sensitive it's a perfect storm. Yep. Oh, yeah. You're just going to – if you're stressed and on a vegan diet, one, one at a time, just you better – you're going to start building up those food sensitivities to everything. And then you and just then, then you just you know, feel over terrible. Over a number of years, you're starting getting inflammation. Yeah, What's going on? Yeah. My arms are hurting. <laughs> right. My brain fog. I'm getting autoimmune thyroiditis. What's yeah. happening here? Because you're sensitive to all those foods. So what? What's, now, what's your basic diet? And also, now? if you add on like uh, antibiotics to the mix, that's worse. You all of a yeah. sudden, you all of a sudden don't even have the microbiota to take that tryptophan. <laughs> right. Now you're. And screwed. then you add on some um, uh, glyphosate. It actually interrupts that uh, pathway w- with the gut microbiota to take the tryptophan. You're, you're screwed in every way, right? And so that's why we're seeing an explosion of celiac, all different kinds of food sensitivities. Um, now, that's a simple version because there's a lot of nutrients are actually involved in creating tolerance in the gut. It's not just like tryptophan. It's actually a lot of things. So it, sometimes, for example, if you have a chronic infection and then you're the other thing that basically causes, and this is another uh, way that people can get food sensitive, if they have a chronic infection or chronic pain or chronic inflammation, what happens is the same pathways get activated. Your body starts creating the kynurin in order, in order to counteract, like uh, 
uh, the, that pain or inflammation. Um, and then it's it, it's just sucking up all the tryptophan for for that purpose rather than doing other stuff that needs to be done, including serotonin. Yeah. So what kind of diet do you have now? And do you and do you supplement it with niacin? I do. I supplement with niacin. So just to be very clear, um, I don't recommend other people doing this because the more supplements you take, the more you have to know what the hell's going on. Right. But I do take 150 supplements today. You do. Yes. Well, I take like 20 and I thought I was nuts. No, no, if I take a lot. Yeah, yeah. Just I don't recommend people doing this because you really have to know. It's kind of like, do you recommend, do I recommend somebody uh, becoming a race car driver if they've never driven right. a car before? No, right? Because they don't know how to handle it. They'll crash. Right. Uh, and in, in the same, and do I recommend anybody do any any high level stuff? For me, it's a sport at this you know, it's just kind of like I'm just like learning new things. Like, how do I get every kind of maximization in? And like, I'm willing to take certain risks. I do a lot of testing. I do testing at least once a month now. Uh, so you have to, and I know what I'm doing. And even then, you know, again, you, you, it's it's a for me, it's a sport that has some risks. You got to be careful. And how do you? How I don't do you, recommend. I think most people don't need uh, more than ten or okay. anything like that. So so how do you measure this? By the way you feel. Is that your real barometer? No, 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 no. Uh, so there's a couple ways. One is the way I feel, right? Uh, if, if I'm not, if something's <laughs> not feeling well, then that's that's uh, you know. But it's through lab testing. Okay, like blood work. Uh, blood work. Um, I, I measure well, uh, scanning scans, like imaging, all different kinds of blood work scans. Um, what about ge- what about genetic markers? That's not for testing. So the genetics is going to tell you what you should do, what you should start with. The lab tests are then going to tell you what, how you're doing. So, let, so let's talk a that. little bit about your business, Self Decode. Is that where I would swab my cheeks and I would send you my DNA and you would send me a report, or how does it work? Correct. So uh, from a swab or a spit test, we can get all your DNA. And what we do is we uh, look at, you know, 400 different genetic risks. And we say, okay, here's your genetic risk. We have a database of clinical trials for all the different kinds of natural recommendations. And then we say, okay, what is the best fit recommendation for uh, what you have? And and I, I guess a reasonable way, if, if I can share my screen, then I yes, can please. show you how that would look. Please. I, uh, I'm, I'm restricted, but in it, you could unrestrict me. Oh, so let's talk a little bit while you're getting ready to do that. Genetics and epigenetics. So my understanding is genetics, you know, you inherit from mom and dad. Um, and some some of the markers are mutated, some aren't. And um, well, yeah, um, talk about epigenetics. So, so genetics I got from mom and dad. But my understanding now with epigenetics, they're saying the environment will turn on or turn off genes and affect the cell. That's true. So let me... Uh explain how you should think about uh, genetics and epigenetics and lab tests. Yep. Um, there's a lot of confusion here, and so I think it's, it's a very important topic. But essentially, um, genetics is going to help you figure out what recommendations to start with or what, 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 what recommendations to do. Yep. The epigenetics piece, there's really not much this at this stage you could get from epigenetics. And, and I... 
I just spoke to uh, Ryan from True Diagnostic. We have a podcast coming out on that. That's epigenetics. What you can get from so that is a useful test, and I've done it. And so what that mainly the main benefit of that test right now is it tells you what your pace of aging is, and I think it's a an advanced test in the sense of like if you're taking 150 supplements or you know you're doing uh like after you complete your regimen and optimize certain biomarkers if you want to see like how is this impacting a whole bunch of mar like metrics that i i like it's kind of just one test to saying okay what's your speed of aging cuz and that metric is looking at a bunch of different things now it's not really telling you exactly what you need it doesn't tell you what you need to do right, right. but it just shows you you did 100 you took 150 of these supplements Let's see what your rate of aging is and compare it to other people. Got it. And there's only one company that right now that I'm aware of that's you know really publishing and has good stuff. That's True Diagnostic. And so that's why I did that test. And my rate of aging is 0. 0.72. 0. 0.72. That means for every, for every yeah, year, for you're every only year, aging 0. 0.72. I'm, correct. And so what that tells me is that um, the, the benefit of that test is is – especially for somebody like me, I'm taking 150 supplements. Am I harming myself? Right. Like, so number one is I test a whole bunch of other lab markers, not just that, but this is like one way that you could say, okay, uh, I'm doing overall pretty damn well because that, that's actually a really good score. Very few people, uh, almost that that's extremely rare. He told me in, in the sense of like, especially in the general population, because they actually equalize for people, uh, who are taking the tests, and all the people taking the tests are longevity athletes, right. more or less. You know, like they're they're people really into this stuff. And so mine was 0. 0.72, which is quite low, meaning like it's quite a good score. And I think I'm actually going to improve it because I made some improvements to my regimen. But the point is, is, like when it comes to epigenetics, that's the only real thing, that tangible thing that y you might be able to get at this stage. Okay. Um, and 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 that company's doing it. The other companies. You you really in the okay so in the genetic space, um, I, I don't know, I guess I'm I'm not going to be very politically correct right now, but go ahead. All the genetics companies that I looked at are more or less junk. Interesting. Um, because what we did was we we actually spent twenty million dollars to to build our platform, and it was extremely difficult. It took a long time. If I want to do what any of these companies are doing, it could take me a week and ten thousand dollars. And so what happens is you have somebody that is good at marketing, they can build a genetics company from one day to the other, and then here you go. We've got this genetics test. We're looking at these ten snips and we're gonna tell you everything. It's it's voodoo, it's astrology. Okay, because um, I have I have one of those in my hand. I'm not gonna mention the name. Yeah, but I, I did I did it's voodoo. Okay. okay. It's voodoo. It's voodoo. Because I know why. I'll tell you why. They're looking at not more than 100 SNPs, right? If you look at it, you'll see all the SNPs they're looking at. Eva, invalid. When you you need to we, – we had that in 2015. When you, say, when, you say, said, when you say SNP, is that just a slice of DNA? More or less, yeah. Okay. And how many do you look at, your company? 100 million. <laughs> <laughs> versus, like, versus 100. Or some of them even do five. <laughs> <laughs> right, there was a new one that 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 was getting very popular that would literally only looks at five snips, and they don't lie about it. They tell you we look at five snips, and then and they and then they give you a, a 
template kind of report for you know blah 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 change a few things here and charge you 400 bucks right yeah. correct correct <laughs> complete nonsense it, it's just it's it's astrology oh it's astrology wow um i mean what, what a lot of them are just you know going based off the mthfr snip right right which actually is legitimate but it's also there's also 99.9999 other million snips that have an impact I'm not saying the MTHFR is important and we include that in our software. Right. But it's just, it's not the only thing. It's just one marker. Right. And, and I would say it's the equivalent to a lab test that you can take and, and it's, it has use and we, we test for it and we give you the results, but you can't really, besides that one, you can't really know what the hell's going on from a couple snips Okay. for anything else. So let's stay it, with yours. Just, Cause I, I really want to do yours now. So, so I, 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 I go online, I go to your website, I buy a, a, a kit or whatever, sign up. You send me the swab, I assume? Yep. And then I send it back to you. And then you, send me, and then you send me a report, which is going to basically tell me what? It's not a, no, it's not a report. Okay. We give you a platform. A platform. And I, I could show you what that platform looks like, but it's actually a very comprehensive platform. And you'll see it's it's the difference of like uh, what we have versus like the report that you have is like um, you know uh, like like a house made of uh, playing cards versus an actual house. I mean, there's, there's no there's no comparison. It's what you have is literally will take us like a couple days. Just gather some snips from PubMed, put them together, you know. <sighs> have some cheap software that we could we could do it in like you know a couple of days and just give you a pdf and say okay based on this you have these snips and do these recommendations there's no real references for any of the recommendations you don't really know like what the hell's going on you can't verify anything there's no published research on anything right it's just the voodoo it's like the black box it's like okay here's these snips and there's a whole cottage industry based on like how to interpret this very narrow set of things uh, that are meaningless. Okay. And, so and by the way, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I, we had that in 2015. Okay. So you're going to so you, realize that it was junk. So you're going to give me a platform. What does that mean? And what am I going to do with it? And what's it look like? Okay. So first we have to understand why does somebody want to get a genetic test? So there's what can a genetic test provide? Right. Yeah. One is ancestry. 23me is very good at that. We also provide ancestry, by the way, but. 20, we're not better than 23andMe in that. It's just we provide it because actually it improves our polygenic risk scoring. So that's another thing, by the way, that companies don't do is you actually need to do adjust the results for ancestry because what's relevant for you is not relevant for somebody who's Asian okay. or Got black it. or Got Spanish. It. Got it. Um, yeah, they, they like even even if they even whatever voodoo that they're selling even if that was accurate it's actually not accurate for another ancestry <laughs> so number one is the voodoo is not correct but if it was correct it still wouldn't be correct <laughs> that's, that's the short answer but so um we do ancestry and that's one thing you can get another thing you get from your genetics is your, your genetic predispositions which you you kind of have to think about like in a, in a higher level way how to look at that because you're going to have genetic predispositions for things that you don't get, right? It's just you might have a higher risk for Alzheimer's, but guess what? You're doing a lot of healthy things that are reducing your risk for Alzheimer's, or you might have a high risk for 
like let's put it this a lot of things that I had in the past I had a high risk for and actually I had them, but now I don't. Right. So that's if if in in some sense that is what epigenetics is changing in, your in lifestyle environment. Yeah, that's that's the changing, that's the definition I was referring to. Li environment, okay. lifestyle, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So there's two different definitions for epigenetics, yeah. or two ways people are thinking about it. One is like epigenetics, like what's your epigenetic age or rate of aging, and they're they're doing that through some methylation testing right. with epigenetics and telomeres and stuff like that. Yeah. Another is anything that you do every time you take a breath, your gene expression changes. Right. Any right. If, if, if you're sitting down instead of walking or standing, your gene expression is going to change. Your genes are constantly creating proteins. Right. That that um, based on based uh, on what doing we're doing, bunch of, based on even correct, what we're thinking, what we're doing. based on what we're feeling. 100 percent. 100 percent. Exactly. <laughs> so that in some sense is epigenetics. And in some sense, also based on what your mom did in utero and what your right. grandmother did, if she had to, if she had like was starving or something, that certain things can, you know, get passed down epigenetically. Okay. Um, that so there, there's kind of different layers of epigenetics, but the epigenetics that you care about is, I can change my gene expression based on what I'm doing or thinking or feeling, right? Mm -hmm. That's a hundred percent true. So. What a genetic predisposition is looking at is, well, it's taking a group of random people. These are people who are eating McDonald's, doing smoking, doing everything that the modern lifestyle does, and maybe some healthy people here there. And it's saying, okay, people with these genes are, you know, this more likely to get, you're in this percentile to get Alzheimer's, right? 96, let's say, okay, fine. But if you're also in the 99th percentile of being healthy and and doing things that prevent that, then you're probably in like an absolute risk of much lower. And then the other factor, of course, is age. You're not getting Alzheimer's if you're 10 years old, no matter what. Right. Right. right, right. <laughs> so you have to be a little sophisticated when you think about genetic risk, which is a lot of people have a problem with. Like some people could look at, oh, I've got a higher risk of Alzheimer's, but wait, I'm 20 years old. I don't have Alzheimer's. So this is not true. Well, it's a little more complex than that, right? Right. right. Yeah, maybe they're being healthy as well. Okay, so that that's the uh, risk part. I genuinely believe that you can prevent um, pretty much any chronic disease. I, 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 with the, I don't know enough about. Um, I, I think you can, with active prevention, I think you can probably prevent cancer as well. Now, I don't know enough about it to know with what degree of certainty or whatever. Because a lot of that is we don't have like we don't exactly understand why somebody gets cancer or not, and the genetic models are actually not very good for that because a lot of it's random. You were exposed to some chemical. Well, yes. Who knows? And right? actually, and actually, I've come to believe I, I do a lot of work around cancer, and I've come to believe that ninety five percent of cancers are environmental or 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 emotional or thinking. You know, it's not genetics. You know, it's 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 our lifestyle, right. it's our environment, and the toxicity of the world. Right, which could be uh, why the genetic models are not very good for it. Right. In addition to that, we also need more people, so it probably could get better. But right now, they're, that's why we don't offer cancer. Yeah. Uh, there's some regulatory concerns as well, but but also we just – it's not accurate enough that you're going to freak somebody out and it's going to be like, well, maybe you have slightly increased risk of cancer. What about what about heart disease? It's not relevant. Do you, it's how do you look good, at that? Actually. It's you, pretty good. So you could look at genetic risk for you, that. You can? And you could see – yeah, absolutely. Um, 
and there's different kinds of heart disease. You could look at the different kinds of genetic risk there, but very preventable heart disease. So, very preventable. So when I look um, at my little report here in the MTHR, the MTHFR, right? And it says, okay, it's um, one parent was defective and one parent wasn't. What, what does that mean? Or mute, the gene is mutated. It just means it works a little less well, that, okay. that specific gene, that biochemical pathway. But keep in mind, there's many biochemical pathways that could be interacting with that. Just as an example, um, you know, MTHFR, I mean, that enzyme is related to a lot of different things that you're doing. So if you have higher levels of thyroid hormones, actually it increases that enzyme. Okay, interesting. Uh, if you, you know, so if you get a little more methylfolate, it basically counteracts that completely. If you have one of those variants, not that meaningful, to be honest. If you have okay. two, basically the recommendation is that's probably one of the few things that you could recommend something for. Take some methylfolate or just make sure you're eating a lot of vegetables and make sure you're getting enough riboflavin. They've done studies where the only clinical trial on that that was done is, and I have two of those uh, variants, just to be clear is that people who went on a diet that they had enough riboflavin, if they met the RDA, their homocysteine went down from mm -hmm. it. They basically just ate a healthier diet. Now, there's a lot of theoretical aspects that you know would make sense why you might want to just take a little more methylfolate, and, and that's that, right? And, and if you have one variant... It's it's not I I don't think you should probably do anything. Okay. But, what, what, <laughs> but if you what, had two, I would say take a little methylfolate and forget about it. <laughs> what, what 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 is your education? What is your degree? What is your background? Because you're so intelligent about this. I know a lot of it was self taught. But what what is your education as well? Well, so I, I didn't. Um, well, so when I got to college, um, I guess I, I studied finance. I studied psychology. I studied. Yeah, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, but you know, but I had all these problems. So I was always super just reading PubMed studies on my health. And then I decided, Hey, like I, I had a health crash. I'm like, okay, I want to go into medicine. So I took, uh, some of the medical course, the, the okay. pre-med courses, uh, nothing significant, but I've been, I've been really just researching. So you're self-taught. Basically self-taught from all my companies are, are related to health. So it was like I had a you know self self hacked and self decode and then I had a lab analyzer. We kind of combined those all together. But essentially, running these companies, I've always been involved in reading and doing experiments on myself. Like I've literally taken every supplement out there, probably like uh, almost everyone out there. Um, I know you know tons of information on all these things. So it's 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 really self taught and. Uh, there's no real education on it because I have two brother-in-laws who are doctors. They don't know anything about this stuff. <laughs> right. and, and they ask me questions. They're like, hey, what does this mean? Even even regular stuff, like what does this lab test mean? Right. Yeah, so... Wait, wait, this, I, wait, wait, wait we got to go deeper into this. So you were a guy that had some health problems and you were concerned enough to eat sardines and blueberries in grade school and, and you were kind of... I don't want to say the word obsessed because that's the wrong word, but you really wanted to understand this health process. And you're a very bright, intelligent guy, and you formed this amazing company that can really help people. You have two brothers that are doctors, and my understanding is they get like three hours of nutrition class in med school. I mean, how, how does it's that register even, with you? It's not even, 
no, it's not even it's it's worse. Um, they don't learn. First of all, all the great research that has been coming out has been coming out over the past twenty years, right? And and that stuff basically didn't barely made it into the medical school curriculum even twenty years ago, right? Like everything takes a lot of time. It's it's just like. <laughs> And then what they're actually learning is like very – they're learning uh, – they know certain things that I, I don't know how to read an EKG machine, but that's not relevant right, for me, right, right, right? right? Unless you have a heart attack and you need an EKG machine right, and right. you need to understand what that means. If I need that, I will go to my brother-in-law who's a cardiologist. He'll tell me what that means but and he'll be able to tell but me. But, Joe, like, what is more important than what we put into our body? What we eat and drink. I mean, right. that's what blows. They my don't mind. know anything about nutrition. They don't even know how to read the lab test in any serious way. Yeah. Um, and and most doctors don't. They don't because they're not taught that. They're really taught like, okay, if these things are really out of whack, then, well, a regular doctor will be like, you know, regular internist will a family care physician. They'll they'll tell you where to go, which expert to go to. Right. Right. But even these experts. They're just looking for a disease. Do you have a disease right now? Right. If not, go away. Right. <laughs> right. Like, don't bother me. Right. Well, my CRP is. I've got tons of inflammation. I've got this. <laughs> but you don't have a disease. Get out of here. Right. What am I supposed to do? Wow. Yeah. So the the um, actually and 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 you know it's actually quite clear if you want like doctors are not actually healthier than the regular population. Right. right? Maybe less. That would. Yeah, maybe less, right? Like, I, I haven't looked at the, that. Would be an interesting yeah. statistic that I should really look at. But right. the point is, is that they're not healthier, and you would assume that well, if they know more, they should be healthier. Right. The, like my guess would be that lawyers, just like high income professionals, would be just as healthy as doctors. Right. 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 <laughs> like I've literally had a bunch of doctors. Oh yeah, I've got diabetes. I've got this. Like, right. I'm like, what? Okay. Um. You know, and and so the idea is they don't really understand how to prevent disease. They don't. They just know that if you have a disease, they they know how to. They, the professional guidelines. They, they know them, how to treat look, symptoms. Somebody gets a heart. Yeah. yeah. Not even symptoms. No, I don't even think so. If if you have a disease and there's a drug for it, they will. They they, right they, they can tell you. Okay, you have this disease, right? A specialist, the specialist will be able to diagnose the disease. And then here's the drug for it. That's yeah. it they can tell you. Yeah. They're not able to tell you what are all the biomarkers that are related to that disease? What are all the things that you can do to prevent it? What are all the things that you can treat it with even that are not drugs? They don't, yeah. they don't know that. It's just out of their field of expertise. I don't really like – so I know some drugs that treat different things, but that's not my field of expertise yeah. because my field of expertise is preventing it. Or if I have it, how do I treat this without drugs? And you know what? If there's no other, like if the natural stuff doesn't work, I will use a drug. End right. of story. Right. right. So uh, I'll give you one good example of that. So on my quest to really optimize the crap out of everything that I do, uh, I, I check a whole bunch of biomarkers. And by the way, so in Israel, um, and, and, and probably in the States as well, I, I've, I've – uh, so – LPA, LP little a, lipoprotein A is actually getting more talked about now, but I've actually tested it in 2012 before anybody spoke about it, really. Um, because I was already reading about all these biomarkers in 2012. 
So I, you can kind of see that how 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 you know how long I've been pretty advanced. But just so but, we're on the same page, because um, when you say LPA, I'm thinking LPA alpha acid. Is that what we're talking about? No, 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 no. Okay. Very different. So what are so lipoprotein A is is uh it, it's a lipoprotein which is similar to the lipoproteins that like you have in with your cholesterol. Okay. Um, right. So th there's it's it's a specific kind of lipoprotein that. You know, just to keep it simple, that if you have it elevated, it causes heart disease. Okay. Right. Now, for all these things, there were some benefit. Like they, they still don't know exactly what it was. Maybe, for example, it it, it helps with clotting. So if you got injured, you know, if if you're if you're living in the uh, you know Middle Ages and and you're, you're just you're you're in an army and and you got a sword <laughs> attack or whatever. Um, you might have healed a little better from this LPVA, or it could be maybe certain infections, right? We don't know exactly. But the point is, is like about 10 to 20% of people have high levels of this thing. They don't check for it. They don't screen for it, regular doctors, even cardiovascular. Uh, so if you go – so once you get a heart attack, sometimes they'll, they'll – and, and, and if somebody's on the forefront, uh, a cardiovascular expert, they, they will tech, check for it. But cardiovascular disease builds from when you're – zero years old, right? And you start out with this lipoprotein A when you're young. And so just, why am I going to wait till I have a heart attack? Right. And so there's like a lot of things, same with cancer, like everything kind of builds over time. I'm not waiting till I have a heart attack at the age of 70. Right. I'm going to look at what my biomarkers are right now and optimize them right now. Yep. So one of the biomarkers was lipoprotein A. I had it checked and I had high levels. I'm one of those people that have high levels of lipoprotein A and dramatically increased risk for heart disease. So you have these people that just drop dead at the age of 60 from a heart attack. And it's like, oh, I, what happened? Who knows? The guy died in his sleep. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I wonder what happened there. Well, the guy had a whole bunch of things that he's just never checking, right? Yep. I had okay. a friend who got a... Um, let me interrupt you yeah, real quick because yeah. we're going we're gonna to run out of time. I wanna, I'm going to get off this call and I'm going to buy your kit. And I want, and I'm going to send you my DNA, and you're going to send me this platform. I, I want you to elaborate. Sell me a little bit more. What, what are my benefits are going to be when I get that? Because we only got about three, okay, four more so, minutes. Okay, so let me explain. So what we're doing, we actually, we're actually doing a legit polygenic risk score, and we're giving you your risks. So you could see your risk for a whole bunch of different things. Each risk has its own report. You can look at the recommendations. So if you say, hey, um. Actually, I don't know. I just got this whatever acne or knee pain or whatever. Just type it in. It's going to give you a list of clinical trials that were done, wow. and you cannot find that on ChatGPT. I I always look, and it's like it just hallucinates and gives you random stuff that is not doesn't have clinical trials, is not effective, whatever. Like it gives you a list of clinical trials. Okay, you can look at the report, what your percentile is, gives you a bunch of information. Now, the way I the main way that it also tell you what labs to check for based on your genetic risks. So a lot of people don't know what they need to check for. Even. Good point. So that's an, another thing. Yep. But the, the main feature I use right now is the recommendations, right? So it starts out with recommendations. You basically fill in some information. Uh, what do you care about? You, you can upload. Basically, the more information you give the system, the more accurate those recommendations are going to get. So you're going to basically be able to scroll through tons of recommendations, but they're prioritized based on what is going to have the most impact. And you can... Um, uh, filter them based on supplements, based on diet, based on lifestyle, whatever you want to filter them based on a specific condition. But there's kind of a, uh, if you don't filter based on anything, we filter it for you. Here's the things you need to start with. Okay. 
Um, so you look at that, and then for each recommendation, you just click. I, I still can't share my screen. I know. Sorry um, about that. We'll, we'll do yeah, it next no time. <laughs> but for each recommendation, you, you just click on it, and it shows you, okay, here, this recommendation, there's, a clinical, there's clinical trials that help with these two lab tests that are suboptimal that you check for. We're also looking at suboptimal, not just uh, that it's like, you know, what the range says, because that's that's not very relevant a lot of times. Um, this is helping for all these genetic predispositions that you have a high risk for, right? And um, and 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 then we're also integrating, like, uh, for example, things like if it has a risk for something that you, meaning like if you take the supplement, you're actually higher risk for something, and you have a genetic risk for that, it'll it'll downvote that supplement as well. And uh, for example, um, if you say, hey, I do X, Y, and Z, or it'll it'll basically make it more accurate as well. So you, the idea is you fill so, out So there's much input. The more you input, upload, the more input I can the more give you it. Input, you don't input anything. You'll still give you recommendations just based on your genetics. Okay. But well, I highly recommend. So yeah. you could start like that. You get the test. You just see, okay, here's my recommendations just based on the genetics. And it shows you this recommendation is good based on – there's clinical trials for this based on all these genetic risks that you have. And you can look at it and be like, you know what? I had a problem with this in the past. And actually – and so you, and you could click on that and look at what are all the clinical trials, the references, all that stuff, all the content. But it just gives you – but that's if you want to go deeper. But it, it just – it starts down by here is exactly what you need to do. To optimize all your genetic weaknesses, and, and when you say tons well, of data, well, uh, now will it give me nutrition advice? Will it give me supplement advice? It gives me all supplements, that. lifestyle, diet, even specific foods. Like, and and it's all going to be based on clinical trials. Okay, and then also it's going to be based on uh, we upvote supplements if you have specific recommendation, like specific variants that are attached to it. So we don't tell you if you have a specific variant that you should take something. We do it based on looking at all of your genetic predispositions and then finding a best fit with uh, our database of, of clinical trials, of all the natural health recommendations that have clinical trials, which there are a lot, you more than you would imagine, actually. So it sounds to me, so we do these two-week retreats where we bring people down here and we detox their body while we give them really good nutrition. We rewire their neural pathways, get their thinking right, get in the emotion, clean up any unresolved conflicted emotions in here. It sounds to me if they were to take this test prior to coming to us, we would have a lot more ammo to help them with their detox and their and their nutrition oh yeah oh yeah you better believe it and um if i were you i think like uh you know so your retreat sounds like i'm I'm gonna be going there right Right. and and it's because it sounds amazing um i mean some things that you're doing like a lot of people have problems with these emotional issues that are causing a whole bunch of other issues and and you know you're gonna be doing so the, the genetics can tell you a good starting point for the recommendations what i would recommend is also uh, people get lab tests, and yes. then they we're, can we're doing see blood, we do blood work for for sure. But I want to do some sort of genetic markers as well, something like your company. Oh, so yeah. give them that. So, so it's so. going to tell you what to start with. What are you and and exactly why? So you can see yeah. for every person why is it telling me this recommendation? And if I want to look at the scientific uh, clinical trials, I can look at that. Yeah. And if you want to look at our algorithm, we're about to publish on that as well. So you can see everything is transparent with what we do. All right. There's no, like, you don't have to just like, oh, trust us. 
uh, there's a black box here. All right. right. Hey, listen, we got to run. It's selfdecode.com, right? Correct. If people want to learn more, go to selfdecode.com. I'm going to go buy the test today. I'm going to send this in. I'm excited to do it. We're going to make it part of our retreat. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're a wealth of information, hard to keep up with, but I really am grateful <laughs> for you being here. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right. Have a great day. We'll see you guys next week. Until next week, go out there and manifest the life of your dreams. See you later. Thank you from the bottom of my heart and supporting me in bringing my message of hope, health, and abundance to as many people as possible. Will you please like, subscribe, and share this podcast episode, and I hope one day to meet you at Mountains of Hope, a place for deep healing and transformation.